Yes, they can. Excellent. I yes. think so. Yes, and that's you see, that's what we're gonna do today. That's our theme. Yes, you can. Yes, we can. Si se puede. Right here on Turning Left. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another week of Turning Left. I am Jason Allen, of course, with me. He is the Knight of the Progressive Roundtable. Wow, that's a good one. Sir Richard. Hey, great to be here. And uh, where is my sword anyway? Well, um, we got one in the mails done through the Sears and Roebuck catalog. Ah. Um, only problem is we weren't actually specific on it. And so they sent us like a seven foot old Scottish Claymore, and we figured <laughs> we're gonna have to send it back, you know, to have a tailor custom fitted for you. So. Okay, that's okay. Well, in that case, I won't have to bring my Japanese uh, ceremonial sword. You may want it just to be safe, you know, in case we all get so uh, worked up over, uh, you know, old Donald that uh, by the end of the show we have to all commit a mass like. Uh, Seppuku, you know. Oh, right. No, yeah. Nah, no, I'd rather just do what John Bellucci did and bang on tables with it. (laughs) Why not? Sure. I don't think this thing's going to hold up, though. No, it's my table, too. That's all. (laughs) That's right. What a week, folks. What a week. Get a load of this. Get a load of this. Donald Trump, in the last 24 hours, has freaked out more than... Oh, geez. Um, probably a whole convention of Jehovah's Witness, I think. Maybe that. Who knows? Yeah. I mean. Well, it's, it started kind of started at the uh, National Jamboree. Of Boy the, Scout. uh, Boy Scouts. And listen, hey, I, I'm going to throw this out there. I'm not going to diss on any Boy Scouts because, hey, listen, when you're a young kid, right, you're out there in a crowd and someone tells you, hey, the President of the United States is going to come and show up and talk, right? Right. These kids are so jazzed. You know, all right, sweet, this right, is Right, and we're talking about kids, so you're talking about high school, uh, junior in high school, sophomore in high school, and lower. Right. And so I figure, you know, they're out in the crowd, they're getting jazzed, they see the president. The president could say anything, right? And, he and did. Were, and, he, <laughs> and he proved it. And, uh, you know, the kids would either, you know, clap on command or when he tries to get them to boo, they, you know, they just go on with it because they're in the moment. You know? Right. And they had the guys with the cue cards going applause and boo. Right. And I, I know for a fact that there was no written speech when he got up there, too, because he he, was, he just, like, he gets up there, stares at this mass sea of Boy Scouts, you know, pure Americana as far as the eye can see, and then just vomits uh, verbal pablum into the crowd. Right. And unfortunately, they don't know what to do, and... The Boy Scouts of America have not seemed to send him uh, a nasty note saying, uh, you know, you shouldn't have done that. We don't like you for that. However, since they're trying, they need his sign-off on a mega merger. That's what I heard, too, that that there's an intriguing little side thing going on that may have just played a part into inviting uh, our buffoon-in-chief in in the first place. Uh, Most likely. Yes. A little trade-off. And so the president last night, he decided he was going to hold a pep rally. In, uh, yes. Because that's what it is, folks. Nowadays, I mean, it's just a high school pep rally, right? You show up in the gym, you sit down, you're like, all right, I wonder if they're going to talk about the, you know, the football team, or hey, I wonder how the track team's doing. <laughs> and he gets up there and, you know, he starts just going off, right? Well, he... Uh, he uh, there's uh, two things of note to talk about. Uh, first, he tells people that um, hey, you know, uh, 
people have been saying that maybe when I'm done here, I'll, I'll be on the face of Mount Rushmore. You know, I, I could do that, right? Right, crowd? I could do that, right? Mount Rushmore. But I better not say that because the fake news will write about it, so I'm not, even though he just did. And right. And, well, you know, the only thing that's going to show up is a big asshole on Mount Rushmore. <laughs> oh, can you imagine that there's, uh, there's Washington, right? There's Jefferson. There's Roosevelt. There's Roosevelt. And then there's this finger. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go ahead and go out on my limb here uh, and say that uh, uh, visitation to Mount Rushmore after Trump's uh, sphincter is uh, permanently plastered on the side of the mountain, I think they'll go down about 2,000%. I don't even know if that's possible, but if it is, it'll happen. Oh, there it is right there. Donald Trump on Mount Rushmore. Lincoln's giving them the death stare. Uh Jefferson is basically looking off into space. He's giving a thousand yard stare. Teddy it, Roosevelt would shoot him in the head. No, he's replaced Teddy Roosevelt. He's replacing Teddy Roosevelt. He's replaced Teddy Roosevelt. And there's George Washington, like with the literally, I'm the first president. What in the hell am I doing here? Look, you know, <laughs> who is this clown? Well, then, not to be outdone by the Mount Rushmore remark, he uh, goes on to tell the crowd that um, he is uh, the most presidential present in history except for the late great Abraham Lincoln now obviously his history lesson in in the grade school was very short yeah he, he, he was probably mail order you know that could have been I don't know if he actually got past grade school because if you look at most of his tweets yeah. none of them are more than five characters long yeah here's to you mr. president in your fourth grade you know reading level. Sweet. Now there's another one, uh, Mount Rushmore. A new, a new Mount Rushmore. There's Donald Trump. Uh, there's I see George W. Bush there. Oh, Richard Nixon's in the house. <laughs> and what is that? Herbert Hoover. Yes. That's Hoover. Yeah, of course, folks. If you don't know who Hoover was, he was the guy right before the Great Depression. And uh, they used to call those shanty camps that sprung up Hoovervilles. Well, he was the most despised president in American history up to that time. <laughs> but, you know, things are changing by the day, Hey, right? you know, uh, Trump has displaced every idiot there ever was. Uh, and then, of course, fresh this morning, he uh, told, uh, in a, I believe it was a news conference. It was a news conference. Snap decision to uh, ban transgender troops? From the military without asking any of the Joint Chiefs, which have a whole policy they've written over the years. They have SEAL teams, of which a member or two are transgendered. Uh, you know, the military yeah. is probably thinking, this is going to cost us millions and millions of dollars because... A lot of people, they're going to have to retrain or find new people to put in those places. And retraining is not something you go through like a six-day work camp. We're talking years of training. I agree. And uh, the last thing I want to talk about before we get to the uh, slated headlines we're going to cover is, <laughs> uh, uh, what do you make of this new guy, Scaramucci, the Mooch? Well, he reminds me of uh, Scaramago in a James Bond film, who was a paid assassin, but uh, basically the guy has done 180 because he thought that uh, Trump was the biggest buffoon ever uh, two years before he got elected. And now he's kissy face, and basically all you're seeing is a different box full of lies. 
It's it, it's great. I mean, this guy gets up there and he's got his pinky ring on too, right? He got the pinky ring, which hey, I got nothing against pinky rings, you know. Uh, but he gets up there, you know, in the shark skin suit, you know. He, he's looking like he's straight off the set of The Sopranos. You Bling know? Central. Yeah, and he's got that deep Brooklyn accent. Yeah, yo, way. You know, like he's like the fifth member of Sha Na Na, right? <laughs> but yo, way. You know, the president said this. The, and they give him the nickname of the Mooch. Well, that's because that's what he is. Yeah. How bad is it as American culture in general? How far have we slidden? Uh, that our White House communications director has the nickname of the Mooch. Well, you, you, we're so far down under, we're looking up to see Australia. <laughs> right. Six feet below Australia. Uh, well, that's being generous. Well, yeah. Plus, I don't have a ruler on me, so... <laughs> I'll, I'll take your word for it. Hey, my word is gold. That's right. Or platinum. Folks, Senate uh, secures the vote to uh, start the debate on Trump care. Uh, a lot of people were dismayed by that. A lot of people have mixed feelings about that. Of course, John McCain showed back up on the Senate floor and gave a rousing uh, tra-la-la speech. And uh, again, I'm not going to trash McCain, even though I have uh, fundamental uh, disagreements, differences with him on it. But uh, you know, he gave a rousing speech, and then 15 minutes later, he go ahead and votes with uh, McConnell, basically. Right, and that, that bill was just to allow debates to occur. Mm-hmm. Had that bill not passed, it would have died right there and then. There would have been no debate. Mm-hmm. And uh, Trump threatened a senator, which <laughs> I thought, wow, I can't believe the senator just didn't go up, pull his pants down, and give him a big moonshine. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm sure what happened was between McConnell uh, giving away the, the store mm. to Trump's threatening them, which is ridiculous because he can't threaten a senator. They are only elected every six years, not four years, you moron. Uh, <laughs> you know, it just it, it shows you the depravity of where America has gone and its government. Yeah. Uh, is leading the way into the toilet. I, you know, it, it's just, uh, they did, uh, believe it or not, they did a first vote yesterday or late last, last night. Last night, yeah. Uh, it got whacked by, you know, I think seven. Yes. Seven votes. Uh, it was, of course, the Trump Care Bill plus with the Cruz and Portman amendments tacked on the end. Right. And uh, they couldn't stomach it. And, uh, Today, uh, I'm going to stay uh, right up to it, folks, as we're going on, because they're expected to have, uh, they're talking about three more votes today. And so we'll, we'll see uh, what's going on, and we will keep you abreast as it keeps happening. So stick with us. Uh, so gear up for that. Um, the debate, you know, when I first heard about it in this uh, sort of procedural sort of vote, right? Right. I, I, I said to myself, well, you know, maybe that's a good thing. They get it on the floor in front of the cameras, in front of the God and everybody, and then uh, they have to actually defend their uh, their stance. And basically they have no plan, so they have no stance, other than just that we, we need to fulfill a campaign promise of seven years, right? Right, plus, unfortunately... Uh the uh, there's a bunch of senators who are in kind of purplish states, yeah. 
who may not be there because of their vote, and they're well aware of that. That's why they're running the other way. They don't want to be seen voting for it. So you'll see a bunch of uh, folks who happen to be absent the day of the vote. Right. They just suddenly got somewhere else they need to be, you know. Yeah, yeah, I got to go back to home constituency. There's a Tupperware party going on somewhere in my district. Absolutely. Oh my gosh! And then uh, I believe uh, one of the one of the senators that refused Murkowski. Yes. Uh, she afterwards, I guess Trump just railed on her. Just said the most horrific stuff. Right. And so I'm gonna have to dig a little deeper because that leaked out this morning, and I was getting my beauty sleep. Well, you know, it's interesting that yeah. U.S. senators yeah. who really do serve longer than the president, why are they that thin-skinned that they can't just blow it off and not care what the heck he says? Yeah, I, I think most of them do. I mean, obviously, when you get to be a senator, you, you've been through the, uh, unless, you know, you're like Trump and never had any experience at all, uh, you would think that they've been through the game. They've been to the rodeo a few times. Yeah. So I, I think that they built, I mean, it's not going to bother them at all, a, a, except to have to constantly being, you know, in front of the camera defending the fact that some uh, a man-child decided he just wants to... Uh, throw shade at, at you. Well, and, and, you know, they have to go, even senators have to go back and visit their constituents throughout the state. They can't just go to a to an area or a, a district that's all, all Republican. They have to go to every district right. because that's the nature of how the Senate gets voted in. Right. And, you know, when I first saw that, uh, okay, all right, I, you know, they could do it. But then I started thinking, man, what are the rules to the game here now, right? Now that, now that we're in the trenches and in the pits of the Senate floor, what are the rules to the game? Because some, some, there's kind of mixed messages. Some people say, well, you know, on most of the votes, they're going to have to go to a 60 vote, right? They're going to have to. No. Some people say, no, they don't have to. They can just change and go for the 50, right? And, and so, literally, folks, we may not be as secure as we think. Well, surely they'll vote it down. And, yeah, I know that he was a tiebreaker just to talk about it. But, sure, and that was procedural, right? So, surely, cooler heads are going to prevail. Nah. Since it's Right. Since it's, it's universally disliked at, what, a 15, uh, 15% uh, approval rating? Right. Pence had to step in to break the tie just to get the debate to the floor. Right. So, But I'm wondering, you know, how much faith do I have on these uh, purple Republicans uh, that they are actually going to uh, keep their conscience and be worried about what's going to happen to them, the political ramifications if they go ahead and are seen a part of this nightmare. Well, you know, 33 million Americans are going to beat them over the head with a stick. And one of the things about Senator, which probably is the top post in government next to the president, it's the one where it's the cushiest. Uh, They deliberate longer. uh, They do less in some respects. And they really uh, set some policies that the House generally has to follow because the Senate can create bills and send them to the House. Yeah. To work on, so it's a pretty august little system there, um, becoming very discussed. Ing. Right, and 
but what I'm worried about is it seems like the rules and the protocols and the parameters of all the procedures and the ways of doing things and the ways of doing things in the Senate are just being kind of shown that they can be trampled on with little or no thought. Right, because primarily the Senate rules were built by the very first U.S. Senate, Mm -hmm. and they have been added to and amended and all that stuff, but they're not truly a part of the Constitution of what the Senate's job is. So for years and years and years, the filibuster rule in the Senate said you had to have 61 votes to break any filibuster. And then in the modern times, because the guys got lazy, uh, they said, well, um, you know, they'd go and see if they had 61 or 60 votes, and people would just say, I'm not going to vote for it. And but nobody would get up to filibuster until Jeff Merkley yeah. stood up to f- try to filibuster, talking for what was it, fifteen straight hours? Well, an all nighter. Yeah, and yeah. so that was the first true filibuster speech given in the Senate in at least uh, two decades. Mm. And, and I love that passion, and I love. Uh, uh, some of, uh, especially most of the uh, um, protests going on. I love that passion. People are starting to become more engaged. And I really, truly believe, folks, that uh, you need to be more engaged right now, this minute, the second. Uh, I, I think this next week is going to be a pivotal moment in the uh, short and mid-range uh, of American history. A lot of people and, are going to get hurt. I mean, we're talking millions Tens of millions of people are going to get hurt. Tens of millions of people are going to be at a loss for what to do. Hundreds of thousands will die needlessly because they either can't get, can't afford, or are unable to find someone that will help them out medically because they don't have insurance. And there's no Medigap or Medicaid safety net left. It's not such a uh, it's not such a scary prospect that the safety nets that people have uh, you know learned to lean on that they know that if uh, if, if the uh, if the poop hits the fan uh, that they can they'll have some recourse and all this uncertainty I mean no wonder it's just not hyperbole folks people are scared out of their friggin' minds yes they this. are and uh, that's why folks I'm gonna give you some food for thought here. As this uh, health care debate rages on on the Senate floor, is I want you to ask yourself where you stand as far as are you comfortable with the fact that literally up to 30 some odd million people are going to have their health care jerked away from them? Are you, are you comfortable with that? Are you comfortable with the fact that your parents, who uh, if you're a, you know, a boomer like I am, well, actually I'm Generation X, but close enough. That's close enough. And are you, are you comfortable with the fact that your parents, uh, who will need long-term health, as, uh, as we've seen as we've gone through life, uh, are you comfortable with the fact that the, those safety nets and those recourses that we were just talking about are not going to be there? Are you comfortable with that? That's the death panel. That's the death panel. Are you comfortable with the fact 
that the government, uh, especially the GOP side of the government, is basically telling you, screw you. We and don't care. Rand dropped dead, basically. Basically, yeah, because this isn't this isn't a health care. They're not giving you, Trump care isn't giving you anything. It's not the Affordable Care Act where they said, okay, we are going to open things up. We're going to med- uh, Medicaid expansion. We're going to... Uh, uh, offer more uh, choices and better choices, more uh, prolific choices. Which were supposed to reduce the cost of insurance. And actually, at the start, it did. It did. It, it did. There, there are literally thousands and millions of stories out there that have uh, actually uh, percolated up and got into the national conversation about, you know, it, I would be dead if I didn't have the ACA. Oh. Not to mention the, the all the children on disability that are disabled will no longer have access to that kind of medication or the services they need mm-hmm. to survive. Yeah, if you have cancer or any pre-existing condition, you're also thrown right back in uh, into the uh, no insurance pool. Which right, probably is not a great pool to be in. I'm not sure how much they clean the pool and use chlorine. Uh, they but don't. So, folks, I want you to ask yourself, are you comfortable with that, right? Are you comfortable sitting there in silence? And I understand you got busy lives and you got you got other things going on. It's in the middle of summer. The, the weather's nice. And I just want to go outside and frolic in a park. Hey, but, yeah, you have to remember who brought these bills to, to make them real. Yeah. And it was the people who fought in World War II that wanted America to be a friendlier place that was secure and that people didn't have to worry about things like this. They gave their lives to make sure that their children and their grandchildren had access to health care, to a fair system where people got jobs based on merit. The memory of all those people should hang heavy on the head of anybody that thinks this is a great idea. I agree. Uh, you know, and folks, a quick historical note I'm going to tack on at the end there is a, a large, uh, I guess, talking point for the right is, uh, you know, we this is, this is socialism, right? This is socialism. We don't want this. This is not what America is all about, folks. If you're worried about the big bad S word of socialism, we've had socialism in this country ever since we passed Social Security. Think about it. Actually, we had it a little before that, but uh, yes, uh, that was the way, and it was passed because seniors were starving to death at atrocious numbers because of what happened during the Great Depression, and they, Congress, Republicans and Democrats stepped in to say, we can't have our grandmothers and grandfathers dying of starvation because they don't have recourse to get any help. And hey, hey, listen, man, it's all part of making America great again, right? Somehow that just doesn't ring very true. Right. Uh, Okay, also, folks, uh, in the news uh, lately is the uh, giant, I I call it lover squabble, between uh, our our, uh, Mango Mussolini and uh, Jeff Sessions, our esteemed attorney general. Fascist that he is. I love it. This is this is devolved into a high school 
relationship dating crisis, right? High school. I thought it was grade school. Well, okay. Yeah, let's go grade school. That's even better. You know, they're outdoor school. And, you know, I can't believe Bobby's cheating on me with Tina. And, uh, I, you know, he is just so mean. I love it. Trump gets up there and he starts railing in, in, in public uh, forums about, uh, you know, sessions. And it's, it's almost like he's just a, uh, calls him beleaguered. And it, it, and he's like, I can't, you know, my man is so weak. He's so weak. He can't stand up for himself. He's not a real man. And this is just developed into some sort of 90210, you know, Beverly Hills <laughs> sort of. In, in fact, I want to apologize to the people of Beverly Hills 90210. That, yeah, I'm sure they'd, they'd be They just got upset. lost that. Yeah. Who did yeah. that? Aaron Spelling, right? Right. Oh, yeah. So, yes, and Sessions is a not, I mean, he is a fascist. He's doing everything in his power to strip away rights from people, regular Americans. We're not talking some splinter groups here and there, but regular Americans. You now, even if you're not convicted of a crime or charged with a crime, he is allowing the police to seize your property Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. without notice. That's right. So I called the segment uh, "Save the Drama for Your Mama," <laughs> and uh, it, it just it, it. But it's all taken on this whole Trumpian sort of grade school esque uh, just drama. Right? Well, I you know for me it's one of those things where it's just a little more smoke and mirrors, yeah. something that the media can chomp on and say, "Oh my gosh, is Sessions going or is it not going?" I don't think he's going anywhere. No. Mostly because he has the support of Tillerson, yeah. who's the Secretary of State, and uh, Trump. You know, if he can't find anything else to whine about, he'll whine about his own people because he's loyal to no one but himself. So, one of the assistant staff members of uh, Jeff Sessions marched up to uh, Rance Priebus, Rance Priebus, Rance Priebus, the uh, White House Chief of Staff, and. Uh, Observers have said that the staffer told Rance Priebus that uh, Jeff Sessions, he used the P word. Sessions is pissed. You know, he said he told, he wanted me to come up and tell you that that I am, I'm, you know, I'm going to fall over dead uh, before I, you know, resign the attorney general. And, hey, don't get me wrong. I'm not sympathizing with Sessions. Sessions is a bigot. He's a... Uh, Racist. He he's he is the worst, uh, worst of the worst of the worst of the Republican Party. Okay. Yes, he is. And uh, folks, what I want to get—I I guess what I want to get my point across to you today—is that uh, there is a bigger game that's going on here. Okay, Sessions had to recuse himself not because he uh, thought it, it was his deep moral obligation. No, he was dirty to do the right thing. No, there there are ethics laws within uh, within the government that states if you feel that uh, you are or could be a conflict of interest, you must recuse yourself. And uh, th- that was told to him in uh, very strong language by the Office of Government Ethics, and uh, he went ahead and recused himself. 
Trump uh, now, because he is being cornered by uh, former FBI uh, head Robert Mueller as the special, uh, let's call it what it is. He's the special prosecutor, okay? Yep. Uh, He's now angry at Jeff Sessions because he recused himself. He's been going around telling everyone who will listen that uh, had he known that Sessions was going to recuse himself, he would never would have hired him, right? Which is basically now admitting even more obstruction of justice because, you know. Oh, yeah, by the way, I'm mad at you because you chose to follow the law. And uh, I I, I uh, don't want you in there, and I think that you're a bad, bad, and it's sad using Trump language, right? Right. Uh, so if he can get Sessions to either resign, which I don't think is going to happen, no, or he's going to have to fire him. He's going to have to fire Sessions because, folks, the grand scheme of things is he wants to fire Bob Mueller. Right. This is all the end game. Right. And the problem is, there's just a teeny tiny little problem with that, and that's the fact that the president cannot fire Mueller himself. Correct. And so he has to go through the AG to make it happen. Well, the AG has decided that, you know, I like this job. I was a senator for, what, 20 years? Yes. And this is supposed to be my cushy, you know... Going out gig. Yeah, he was a senator from Alabama. And, well, yeah. Uh, uh, roll Tide? <laughs> Anyway, no, um, so this is supposed to be his golden time, right? I've been a senator. I've done it. You know, I this is going to be the creme de la creme climax peaking moment of my, you know, history that I'm going to be the AG and then go fade off into the sunset. Right, and he, get, he can do whatever he wants now because unlike in the Senate where you have all those other senators that can vote against you, as the AG he can make a pronouncement uh, like he's going after sanctuary cities, uh, and nobody's there to stop him. Right. So, folks, I, I really get the feeling uh, that we are looking at probably a week away, I'm thinking, of uh, another Saturday night massacre. I think it's going to come down to that because I don't think Sessions is going to leave. I think Sessions now has his back up against the wall, and he's not going to go gently into that good night. Uh, he has no reason to. And so, and so you've seen Trump ramp up the ridicule and the uh, insults on Sessions day by day by day by day, trying to shame him into resignation. And, and you know, Sessions, basically, if he doesn't have a thick skin by now, why would he even bother responding, like saying, I'm pissed? He doesn't, he doesn't need to care. They can't get rid of him unless they fire him. Right. But, you know, he does have thick skin, and plus, you know, not a lot of people know this, but he has an extra layer of padding because I've heard they use those KKK sheets are actually pretty thick, right? Probably. So, I, I don't know, but... Uh, best and, he, and he was a member. And he was, yeah, he, you know, he... Uh, He's up to his... Uh, Probably still is a member. Yeah, he's up to his earlobes and... Uh, dirt. You got the, it's, it's a little more than dirt, but... Well, we'll yeah, but... It. It's a family show. Exactly. Right. Uh, last thing I want to touch on before we get to uh, Sir Richard's Putts of the Week is uh, the there's an intriguing story that's kind of been sidelined because of just the... Uh, the crap show of the, <laughs> of the Trump, you know, of the Gong Show featuring Donald Trump, right? Uh, and that is uh, the looming um, man, the looming specter of North Korea. 
Yes, uh, North Korea, ruled by the uh, Young family, uh, Kim Jong-un, which followed his father, which followed his grandfather, uh, and he's been shown to be as ruthless as they come. Um, Basically, what they're trying to do is what they tried to do to for practical purposes, Hitler in World War II, which was to get him out of the way by spiking his food and making him more female or okay. something like that. Basically, removing him from the button. Right, yeah. Uh, so there's been a round of new sort of threats made by Kim Jong-un. Uh, you know, basically, uh, well, in a nutshell, folks, he basically said, if there's any problems, I will nuke the U.S. Right, which is... It, for practical purposes, he'd be lucky if he could hit Alaska. Yeah, he'd be lucky if he can hit himself. Well, but the nuke thing is, in his in his mind, he is far bigger than what he is in reality. Secondly, second, uh, you know, China's not going to sit by and let him pull that off because, no. gosh, America happens to be China's number one trading partner. What do you think they get all that money to invest in all the things they want to invest in to keep their populace happy? Right. You know, Sir Richard, funny that you mentioned China. <laughs> because what, what this is what caught my eye with the whole uh, North Korean, you know, new round of threats by North Korea. Very quietly, China has uh, rearranged a lot of their units and beefed up defenses on their border. Yes, they have. And uh, that bothers me. Well, you know, push comes to shove. uh, North Korea gets all of its supplies, all of its supplies from China. Were China to cut off its supplying oil and food... To Kim Jong-un, there would be a large problem, especially since the Korean military is a lot closer with the Chinese military than Un is with the Chinese leaders. They basically are not even paying him lip service anymore, and they've come down on him pretty hard with pretty harsh statements about stop being, uh, a, behaving like a child. I agree, and I've always thought the uh, the uh, the antenna goes up when you see any of, any action at all out of China because they are the to me they are the weather vane in that sphere of influence. Yes, and when they start rearranging their defenses on the border and beefing it up, obviously, folks, that means that they are at least giving serious, credible thought about something happening in the near future. Right, and their biggest fear is having two or three million uh, North Koreans flood the border into China, and then then China has an internal problem, which they don't want to have. So by beefing up the border, they are effectively blocking and closing it off for anybody wanting to get out of North Korea. Right. So it's uh, it's getting the news is getting tighter and tighter around Un's uh, rather bulbous head. Yeah, and I uh, I've always a more cynical part of me uh, have always believed ever since Trump took the oath of office on January twentieth. That I, I was, I'm expecting, and still am, even more than before. I'm expecting a Reich, a Reichstag fire, 
that I think there's something going to be coming down the line uh, that's going to be trying to be a huge national distraction other than the uh, metaphorical noose tightening around his neck as Mueller uh, continues to dig deeper and deeper and deeper into it. Right. And one of the other things uh, that China also is very aware of is Japan and South Korea are big trading partners with China also. Yeah. China, China basically is a capitalist-run a system with a socialist uh, icing on it. They are not thrilled about Un saying, "Oh, I'll you know nuke Seoul, I'll nuke uh, Tokyo," uh, because that would hurt China immensely. Right. Well, yeah, and in North Korea up to this point, when they became like a credible uh, nuclear uh, force. Uh, they were always treated, you know, uh, as the uh, wacko neighbor who, uh, you know, makes uh, weird things on his grill at 3 in the morning, <laughs> uh, you, you know, throws his trash over on the neighbor's yard and generally runs amok. Uh, but now the, 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 the crazy neighbor who uh, acts really erratic has... Uh, has nukes. Well, you know, I think yeah. they're looking back and realizing that the Chinese government, anyway, and the leaders, that they made a big mistake by not coming out very strongly and immediately telling them, stop the nuke process or no food, no oil, no medicine, no clothing, nothing. We'll let your populace starve to death, just like your father did for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree. <laughs> I mean, uh, it, uh, they have to be scratching their heads and yeah. going, oh, man, we should have stopped this when we could have. Now yeah. we have a huge problem. I, I, it, it's now come back to haunt us. Uh, and I'm worried, though, that when you throw something that uh, is so wacky into the mix, but you use to drive it with political purposes because you want to... Uh, uh, take the attention away from a uh, an independent uh, investigation into your uh, various shady shenanigans. Right. Uh, it, it, it makes the whole uh, North Korea problem just could be handled differently. But I I, I, I truly think at the end of the day, Trump is just going to pull one of his things, and it's going to ha- head us into a problem that we could have handled differently had we taken our time to think about all the various angles of trying to do it. Right, and you really, you know, in essence, you don't need to squeeze on the Chinese to do something about it. I'm sure they're, they are have been talking for years about what the heck are we really going to do with this guy that has, uh, he has no interest in our best interests. And when it comes to that in China, they don't look very kindly on it. So I think what they're trying to do is muddle their way out of a big mess, uh, and they don't appreciate that uh, Don the Khan is trying to pressure them more when they're under enough pressure already. Right. Uh, I was going to do a fourth story today, um, but I think we're going to hold that over for next week. Uh, we are running a little bit behind the times. Ah, and, it's and that clock ticking in the background. It is that proverbial to- uh, clock ticking, but uh, I uh, at this point, I want to gleefully sit back and uh, <laughs> and wonder who in the heck is Sir Richard's... 
cuts of the week. I think I included this week the graphic of uh, the uh, Searcher's Putts of the Week. Let's go ahead there and it is. toss that up there for you. Sir Richard's Putts of the Week. Sir Richard, take it away. Well, uh, once again, so many choices, so little time. Um, what, what can yeah. I say? But I, I, I had it had to come down to the biggest hypocrite I could see of, mm. of the moment. So this week's World's Greatest Putts of the Year Award goes oh. to John the Not-So-Maverick McCain Ooh. for selling up to $33 million Americans down the river of no health care. He flew in after getting brain surgery at the Mayo Clinic, which most people in America couldn't afford to to, uh, be at, um, to bring his final vote to vote for continuing debate on the Senate floor. Had the vote failed there, it would have been instantly deceased, but it wasn't. So basically, he took his gold-plated health care system, which gives him everything he possibly could ask for. He didn't go to a VA clinic, folks. He went to the Mayo Clinic, Mm -hmm. a top-rated brain and cancer uh, hospital. And I want to break in real quick, folks. Uh, For the few Trumpers out there that like Donald Trump, I want to explain to you that the Mayo Clinic doesn't have anything to do with mayonnaise. Thank you. Yes, no, no mayo. Uh, yes, mustard possibly, but um, having that whole s- several hundred thousand dollars worth of surgery cost him zip. Mm-hmm. Nothing, nada. Not one other American outside of Congress and the president, obviously, could afford that kind of health care where it didn't cost them anything. It's kind of like the British system where you go get what you need. It doesn't cost you anything. So today, it's John, not so maverick, McCain, as the this week's World's Greatest Puss of the Year Award winner. And we'll be sending him his due. <laughs> Literally, doo-doo. A flame, as in flaming bag of doo-doo on the front porch. And then we'll, we'll run away. Gleefully, you know. <laughs> I'm sure his uh, Tea Party opponent, who is trying to get him to step down already, will probably do that for us. Oh, have you seen some of the, just the ugly things that the, the I, I I don't even I don't have the name of the opponent, but you know, just almost almost wishing death. Oh, she like is that, uh, definitely a fascist, yeah. and um, uh, you know, McCain but, wrote himself into this play by being ridiculous. Right, yeah. So, John McCain, you were this week's Sir Richard's Putts of the Week. Congratulations. You are in very unesteemed company. Uh, very much so. There you go. The pile grows larger. Right. And the stink gets bigger. It, it does. It does. You know what else, though? Uh, for the longest time, I've been teasing that we have a brand spanking new turning left pole. Oh ho! And because of some of the things that's been going on the last week or two, we ha- you know I haven't been able to kind of get her in there. But uh, the last round of polling was just done uh, by our multi multi minions hit the streets of Portland and surrounding areas, and uh, they have come back with some interesting data points. I'm ready for it. And I did this a little different this time. I said, you know, usually we just take the ten best responses and we 
use that. But I said, no, 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 no. We've got to be more scientific of this. I, I told him, listen, if we're going to do polls in the future, I want pie charts. Hey, we got a plus or minus of three degrees of accuracy. That's right. Well, ours is 78.8% accuracy. Oh, that's close enough. Who doesn't? Anyway, so I, I said, I'm going to devise four questions. Four questions. And I want you to hit the streets all over the metro area, downtown, you name it. And I want you to ask these questions, and I want the answers, and I want to break them down into percentages. And the minion said, will do. And so I did. Here's the four questions. The first question is, should Trump resign? Okay, I wanted a nice macro question out there to start things off. Sounds reasonable. Well, the facts are in. The uh, The poll is in. 93% of people polled said yes, Trump should resign. 4% said no. And 2% asked, do we have any weed? <laughs> okay. So you got to remember, it's downtown. It's so, downtown you know, Portland, yeah. yeah, okay. So, so 93 yes, 4% no, 2% hey, you got any weed? Okay. That's the first one. So that's, that's I thought that was very, very interesting. So let's move on to the second one. The second question was, would you vote for Trump again? And I, I, I did this for just the Trump voters. Okay? Right. So uh, we, we had a tough time tracking down enough Trump voters, uh, especially when we hit the downtown region. And so uh, let's throw that up there. Would you vote for Trump again? Okay, 2% said yes. Wow. Yes, 5% said not sure. Jury's still out, right? 94% said, I would rather get a colon cleanse using a porcupine. <laughs> That's a sticky wicket. Yeah, so it wasn't just a no. It, it just wasn't a hell no. It was a, I would rather get a colon cleanse using a porcupine. Okay. Very scientific, folks. Don't ask questions about it. It's all scientific. It's above board. <laughs> it's all good. Let's move on to number three. All right. The third question is, is the Russian investigation a witch hunt? Okay. And I threw it back open to the Trump supporters, to the non-Trump supporters, everyone. Okay. Is the Russian investigation a witch hunt? Well, 2% said no. 3% uh, said not sure. Okay. And you know what? I'm just getting in my ear. This this question was just for the Trump supporters. Oh. Okay, just for Trump. So it makes more sense now. 2% said no. 3% said not sure. And a whopping 95% of Trump supporters said, I hate Russian witches. Oh, yeah, and Obama, too. <laughs> so that's, yeah, listen, I'm not in control of the information. This is all people giving us their thoughts. And, uh, hey, listen, I'm not responsible for it. Isn't that what all great schemes go down in history? Is that, hey, well, I'm not responsible works for polling for places. And, uh... Right. Finally, the fourth uh, question we asked, again, was for the Trump supporters. Because, you know, we always talk about, geez, how could they think the way they think? What's going on? I want to get inside their heads and figure out if there's, well, if there's anything there. But what sort of rationality is for all this stuff, Right. right? And so I did that. The fourth question was, what is the most important issue to you? 
What is the most important issue? Great you? question. Great question. Okay, well, 2% said the economy. The economy was the most important issue to them. 4% said building the wall. Building the wall was extremely important to them, 4%. A whopping 93% of all Trump supporters said that the most important issue to them was declaring Honey Boo Boo a national treasure. <laughs> so, I mean, now that we've gotten in their heads, right? We, oh, that uh, says a lot about uh, where their heads are at. That's right. So, folks, don't, don't pull that lever. Yeah, don't push the button. It turns into a Dr. Strange love moment. All right, folks, if you downtown Portland or you're in the metro area and you see young geeky kids walking up to you with clipboards asking you really weird questions don't freak out it's not the irs don't freak out it's not guys canvassing for some piece of legislation it's only the turning left crack r d intern staff doing their jobs hey you got to give them credit they're interns that means unpaid and there's some good confusion about that when they went out because, uh, as you know, we, we do have a few buttons, you know, news box buttons and everything identifying. Right. And so Doc, you know, he handed them out to the interns, said, hey, here's some news box, identify yourself. But we ran out of them. So we, had on, we only had a few left, and we handed the rest of them uh, various buttons like, I love cheese. <laughs> and uh, pull my finger. Ooh. Yeah, so, I I mean, if some weird kid walks up to you with a I love cheese, uh, so, oh, yeah, it's just turning left, guys. That's hey. Right. right. So there you go, folks. That is the poll. The poll is up on the uh, Facebook uh, turning left page. Get on up there. You can comb over all the facts, reach your own conclusions. Remember, we report, you decide. It's the way it's supposed to be. Isn't that, some, isn't that another channel? Uh, yes, that's PBS. <laughs> PBS. We report, you decide. Right. Fox News. Anyway, uh, <laughs> moving on. So this week we have uh, another cause of the week, Sir Richard. Hey, I'm ready to hear what the good cause is. Yep, and I wanted to go a little different this week. So, hmm. taking a drink. Bubbly. It is the Oregon Jewish Museum. Really? Yes, nonprofit Oregon Jewish Museum. The uh, Jewish Museum is the Pacific Northwest's only Jewish museum located in the region's second largest metropolitan area. The Oregon Jewish Museum's mission is dedicated to the preservation, research, and exhibition of art, archival materials, and artifacts of the Jewish people. It is the repository for archival uh, concerning the history of the Jews in Oregon and endeavors to discover and collect all materials that may help to illuminate this history and furthering its mission. So this is the uh, Oregon Jewish Museum. And if you would like to uh, go visit it, hey, maybe uh, volunteer. I don't know if you have any questions, anything of that nature, you can do so, of course. Their website is www.ojm.org. And uh, if you want to call them on the phone, you can. Hey, it's 503-226-3600. Once again, 503-226-3600. Three six zero zero, and if you even want to go there and visit it in person, they are located at one nine five three Northwest Kearney Street, Portland, Oregon nine seven two zero nine. 
So there you go. Very timely because uh, this yesterday morning, I believe there was a, a big banner unfurled over one of the overpasses at 205 that said uh, basically uh, 9-11, Jews did it. So anti-Semitism is uh, alive and well and must be fought not just by people of Jewish faith, yes. but people of all faiths. Right. And it kind of meshes with the fourth story we didn't get to today, which is the increase of hate crimes, uh, not only all over the country, but the in rising Oregon. hate crimes here in Oregon Un- and a, Portland. A, a staggering number. And, and it's only growing. And we're going to get to that next week. Sounds I, good. I, I think it's an, an important issue that needs to be illuminated every now and again uh, just to emphasize that the time that we are in right now, uh, you just people going around, the mantra is, it's not normal. It's not normal. It's well, not it's a normal. breeding ground for hate, bigotry, sexism, fascism, uh, because uh, Don the Con has made it okay. Right. And, and we find out that the... Uh, uh, the old, um, just evil ways of the 20th century are cropping up again. They're not gone, right? Right, never really were. Yeah, and the the rock where these people hang out of has gotten disturbed, and they seem to be crawling out. And uh, yep, it's still around. So, but if you want to help battle that, and you want to feel like you want to. Uh, become a little more erudite in your approach to life, and you want to learn stuff, you can. And we try to help do our part by doing uh, a weekly uh, Turning Left book endorsement, right? You can go out there, you can read a good book, you can learn something, and expand your horizon. Yes, and learning things helps stave off Alzheimer's and dementia. It is, very true. And uh, so we're just doing our part, right? Hey, helping Americans stay sane. That's right. So this week, our uh, book endorsement is The Road to Camelot. It is uh, by Thomas Oliphant. And it is a it is a book about the early House and Senate uh, runs of John F. Kennedy up, up till he uh, gains the White House. And uh, it is a behind-the-scenes revelatory account of John F. Kennedy's Wiley campaigned to the White House, beginning with his bold failed attempt to win the vice presidential nomination in 1956. A uh, young and undistinguished junior plots his way to the presidency and changes the way we nominate and elect presidents. John F. Kennedy and his young warriors invented modern presidential politics. They turned over accepted wisdom that his Catholicism was a barrier to winning an election and plotted a successful course that... Uh, uh, to his constituents, to his constituency, if I can say that actually, con- constituency. There you go. Follow the bouncy ball. It is a. Uh, it, it, I read it. It's a. It's a uh, very illuminating book. It, it takes you into the nuts and bolts of uh, how Kennedy uh, really invented some modern techniques to campaigning. Right, and actually, his brother was responsible for much of it, Bobby. Bobby Kennedy, a very bright guy. And uh, so it's a great book. Get on out there. You can go to Amazon. I think we have the book cover right there, The Road to Camelot. That's what it looks like. And uh, it's really a fascinating book, and it takes you behind the scenes. And I think you will enjoy it. So get out there and read today. If you have uh, any other thoughts about books and stuff, or you've uh, read a book and you say to yourself, man, that would be kind of a cool book endorsement that has to deal with progressive politics, you can also email us. 
the email address, and I do a horrible job about spreading the email stuff. In fact, I even uh, failed to give the phone number. And when we were talking about earlier, like, oh, right. yeah, we need to give the phone number. Yeah, we're going to do it the last three minutes of the show, right? <laughs> you can go, go ahead and call us at 503 503- Oh, what is the fu- It's been so long since we've done it. Doc, what is that? 503-395-5040. So you can call in the last 30 seconds and say, Hi, I want to talk about... And then I'll just hang up because we got to go. It'll be voicemail. It'll be voicemail. Leave your voicemail. Yeah, we can play the voicemail on the air. Oh, that will be entertaining. You guys, beep. And <laughs> oh, that bald guy should shut his beep. You know. oh, great. Uh, one more last uh, thing I want to talk about real quick is next week we will not be here. Uh, Doc is on special assignment. Uh, Sir Richard is going to be on the lecture circuit. And I have uh, taken a most uh, exciting underwater basket weaving class that wow. I'm looking to get in there. It was either that or uh, or um, nocturnal poetry where you're, sublim- you're knocked out and it's just kind of free form. You talk in your sleep. <laughs> I like it. But I was kind of afraid of what I would talk in my sleep. Yeah, so I figured- you know, that could come out very badly. Yeah, if you get the underwater basket weaving, it'll probably be a little bit better. So next week, folks, we will not be here. We will reconvene in two weeks. Uh, so set your clocks, set your calendars, set your whatever to do it. Now, uh, we have a couple months left, and so, Sir Richard, is there anything yet? Yeah, I want to let people know that the Trump administration, through the Forest Service, if you're 62 and a half or older, uh, up until sometime in August, you can actually walk into the Forest Service uh, office in Portland, Oregon, 1222 Southwest 3rd, it's in the federal building, and get a $10 lifetime pass to all the national parks and monuments in America. After August, I believe it's 20th or something like that, or August 15th, it goes back up to $80 per year. So this is a $10 lifetime wow. pass to every national park at the Forest Service office in the federal building, 1222 Southwest 3rd. That's awesome. It's a great deal. Not not only do you get to go, and this coincides great with vacation time. You want to get out there into the great wilds and go check out some of our beautiful national and local uh, parks and uh, other great things. Do it. Do it to it. And it only costs you ten bucks. Uh, one time. That's great. Last thing before we go, and talk about. Uh, did, you, did you hear about that? Uh, a uh, hot comment made on a mic uh, done by... Uh, Mulkowski? Yeah, I, I, Su- I think it was Susan Collins. Or Susan Collins, yeah. And uh, the Democrat, there's a d- Democrat also. Of course, the, the Democrat no. comes out and says, you know, man, Trump is nuts. He's crazy. You know, and and Susan Collins basically said, yep. And, he's a, and she's a Republican. And she's a Republican, right? right. So you, that's kind of a, a stirring a minor kerfuffle, you know, today. And a lot of people are saying, oh, geez, what's going to happen now? Is is Trump going to get on Twitter and just lamb blast her? She or, doesn't care. Or even worse, uh, does this mean that somebody is now ma- magically going to challenge her in the primaries and even more right-wing to try to dislodge her? Because she is one of the more moderate Correct, and she has a long history of being in the Senate yeah. and being really a voice for uh, moderate behavior. Yeah, 
uh, yes, there is still some moderate behavior out there. It's not all slid to the right, you know, the far, far, far right. There actually is some out there, and she's in a state, a swing state, that uh, uh, has proven that that a uh, large majority of them have some sense in them. Still, they haven't right. gone, they haven't gone full Kool Aid drinking uh, fascism yet. So there's there's hold out on some hope. So, folks, uh, this next week, uh, it is incumbent upon us to stress the fact that you need to get out there. You need to call your representatives, whether it be a senator or just the House or even your governor. You need to get on the horn and you need to tell them, uh, please, please, please do not vote Trump Care in, uh, that this is going to be... Uh, is. It's a disaster for America. It's a yeah. It's a, it's going to be a long national nightmare, and uh, uh, you need to you need to feel that you can voice your opinion. You need to feel that you have a say. You need to feel that you can actually play a part in the national dialogue. You have to do this. Please do that this week, because if I, I guarantee you, if there is a large scale of antipathy out there. It only makes McConnell's job easier trying to slide this just crap legislation through the House and now the Senate. Uh, so, folks, please do your part. Get out there. This thing is heating up. It is. It has it uh, come to a boil over the last 24 hours and probably will at least for the next week. So, so please do that. If you care about your country at all, if you care about your loved ones at all, now's the time to make your voice heard. I think that's a great place to close. It is. So, folks, from all of us here at the Newsbox Studios here in uh, beautiful Portland, Oregon, we will see you all again in two weeks. Adios, sayonara, arrivederci. Ciao.